Hello, and welcome to the Event Lab podcast, your window into the events conversation. I'm your host, George Barker, and along with the Event Lab team, we'll be bringing you a regular look inside the events industry. We're going to be talking about the latest news, we're going to be hosting interviews with leading events professionals, we're going to have practical advice on making a modern event. Basically, we're going to make sure you're up to speed with all the major talking points in the UK events industry. So coming up on this episode, our friend Jackson Clark from Patch sat down with the wonderful Glenn Mainwaring, who you may have seen on the hit TV show SAS Who Dares Wins. Now, when Glenn isn't running up the Atlas Mountains, he's part of the excellent event team over at the Barbican Centre, and he's going to be discussing both with Jackson today. So without further ado, it's over to LSO St. Luke's, where these two charming chaps caught up. Thank you. Thank you very much. What an intro. Jackson from Patch here with the generally wonderful honour of hanging out with Glenn Mainwaring. Mainwaring? It's Mainwaring, yeah. Yeah. I struggle with it. It's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah. When I was Googling it, because I thought I've known you quite a while, it's a bit embarrassing to ask you about it. And it was. Lots of them were, were Mannering. Captain Mannering is a popular choice, yeah. You can oh. call me Captain Mannering. Yeah, I like it, yeah. Yeah, that's um, appropriate. And you start with an army theme. Come on, it's as if we've teed it up. Oh my gosh, I know. Oh, so, Glenn, <clears throat> um, for those of you that don't know, Glenn works uh, at the Barbican, mm-hmm. focusing on the commercial element, which is exciting in itself, but what is salivating me, that's probably not the right word, <laughs> But we'll go with You're it. Dribbling everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> is uh, I don't know if any of you have seen it, but if you haven't, you absolutely have to. It is SAS Who Dares Wins Sunday Nights Channel Four? Oh my god, it's a ridiculous program. Mm. Glenn, can you fill us in on just kind of headline what the show's about, and then we're going to talk get deep and dirty, deep and dirty. Um, yes. Yeah, so SAS Who Dares Wins is in its third. Um, series now uh, recently um, filmed in Morocco uh, in September so we were taken out to Morocco there's 25 recruits all men um, and then you've got four directing staff you may know some of them as Aunt Middleton he's kind of a bit of a star now the one with the beard he's the, the good looking one with the beard yes those dreamy blue eyes those dreamy oh. piercing blue eyes yeah, yeah. And then you've got Foxy, and then you've got Ollie Orton, and then Billy. Um, so all uh, surpassed SAS members of um, the armed forces, so they know they they staff. Anyway, so the premise is the twenty five normal civilian guys are um, taken through a short version. Of SAS selection. SAS, um, as you may know, in the armed forces is very elite. There's a process of six months to get into the SAS, and um, the process has various different challenges. A lot of it is physical, and there's mental challenges as well. So we would, um, we had the opportunity to do a brief version of that selection process, and that's what you'll see on TV. Incredible. <clears throat> so just to give everyone, just if I may, just some highlights of what we've seen so far. So Sunday is going to be episode four. Yeah, that's right. And actually, if, if you haven't watched it, ladies and gents, Glenn hasn't really appeared in it much recently, <clears throat> which <clears throat> implies to me either he's dull as dishwater or 
He's so darn good. He's probably going to win. <laughs> Don't tell us. <laughs> Don't tell us. Um, but yeah, it's ridiculous. So some of the things that we've seen so far is running up Atlas Mountains. It's just the fourth highest mountain range in the world, if just, anyone's asking. Yeah, that's just nothing. Yeah. With a 30 kilo weight, and I was Googling what 30 kilos feels like, 53 basketballs. Whoa. Hmm. That's really interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> basketballs. Yeah. Mm. 10 mile run in the Sahara Desert, 40 degree heat. Yes. And jumping out of a helicopter into open water. That's to mm. come, I think, isn't it? Oh, no, that was when you landed. Yeah. And abseiling off a huge dam. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Basically, the intro to us um, going on to the show was uh, just like, yep, can I have number 10, 14? Basically, you're all numbered, 1 to 25. I was number 20. And then we were sort of, yep, running off and picked up our bags, jumped in a helicopter, and then we were like, oh, this is amazing. You know, look at the Moroccan mountains. (laughs) Flying, flying, flying. Okay, 1, 2, 3, jump out of this helicopter and we were like what (laughs) (laughs) do it again (laughs) and they were then said right hold on to this bag because there's a flotation device as well so like oh good okay well luckily I can swim anyway so jumped out of this moving helicopter into the water how fast is it going do you reckon it was just it it was still in the air you know so we would just have to jump into the water and it was at a a large height Um, so anyone with fear of heights or fear of swimming you would be screwed yeah. um however there were occasions where we jump out the bergen the bag would be through you know it was, it was thrown out and people weren't near it but especially the guys who couldn't swim very well they would struggle mm. they would you know and you're wearing like guys were wearing their boots guys were wearing their hoodies uh, okay. so it wasn't really conducive to swimming about yeah because <laughs> there's a few really fit ones doing it mm-hmm. but were struggling in the water and I was yeah, like, yeah. Well, well why don't you just swim What's exactly yeah. yeah I didn't I didn't yeah I suppose it's, the weight of what you're wearing in yeah the water definitely was weighing you down absolutely and I think a lot of it when we arrived when I arrived at the airport I saw these guys all hugely muscly <laughs> I just thought oh gosh you know I'm like not as muscly as these guys um but I just thought oh my gosh how am I going to cope with this situation however you know what I've learned is that muscles you know are not any and not the um not, not as important in a situation like this. Yeah. yeah. Um, so if we can go back mm-hmm. to, uh, well, I suppose when you were watching series two, did you think oh, I want to do that, or what? What was the what was the point? Yeah. The tipping point that made mm-hmm. you think about applying to actually applying. Definitely, I think um, definitely I had an interest from watching series two. I I feel like I am constantly trying to challenge myself, and and I thought, well, this program is the extreme. So why didn't I just really push myself to that extreme limit? There was other things, some personal reasons as well that I've had, you know, people doubt me in the past or bullying in school. Those guys saying I couldn't do these type of things and I wasn't as masculine as other guys. And I just thought, you know what, well, this would be a good two fingers up to those guys, to be honest. Wow. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Isn't it just two massive fingers? (laughs) uh, 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 so yeah so what um, so you applied Mm -hmm. get 25 takes you 25 get chosen Mm -hmm. do you know how many how many applied Mm -hmm. in total and what was that process to get it's not a case of imagine you just rocking up to the hi I'm ready now yeah you're the TV show but yeah with hair and makeup yeah (laughs) (laughs) where's my cabin yeah hi the the main stars arrived Here I am. <laughs> it wasn't quite like that, so that was a letdown. <laughs> uh, 
um, the process is an application process and um, the thousands apply. Um, really? wow. And it is, um, it is only men that can apply because there is only men in the actual SAS. Um, however, there's a huge story and a campaign about why women shouldn't be um, in the SAS. And maybe I've heard stories in the Great Brown, there might be a woman's version of the SAS. Mm-hmm. Um, who dares wins? So we'll yeah, see. Right. Um, however, there is an application process and yes, thousands of people do apply. Um, the process is an application form and then you have to have a conversation with um, one of the producers. Then there's a, an interview. Then there's a, um, a fitness test. Is that quite tough? The fitness test... Well, there's a lot of lifting involved. There's a lot of um, um, sort of. There was like a bleep test, and then the challenging thing for me was that you had to run a mile and a half in nine minutes, and the average is thirteen miles, uh, thirteen minutes per mile. Right. So I kind of was like, oh, okay, I can do that. But actually, <sighs> it's incredibly challenging because you're sprinting for nine minutes, That's which. Cool. It's not a long time, but it is a long time when you just constantly yeah. running as fast as you possibly can. seconds and all. Yeah. So <laughs> that was really difficult. However, I was training and training and training. It never did it, apart from when I was on the actual fitness test, did it miraculously. Wow. Um, so you can really push yourself just if you're, if you're focused. Yeah. Um, then there was physic- uh, some um, meetings with psychiatrists. Went to Harley Street a few times to get wired up so I can see if I've got enough oxygen in my blood. There was loads of really wow. um, strict um, tests to overcome to get on the show because you okay. have to be very mentally sane and also physically fit as well. Yeah. What kind? Of, how do they? T- how do you? How do you test for mental sanity? Yeah, they were just asking if I had any sort of demons in the past. You know how I would cope with um, stressful environments, being alone, being shouted at, um, pressure on your body. Um, do you have any um, mental illnesses? Um, and you know a lot of the guys which is incredibly admirable have interesting backgrounds like um, overcoming cancer and overcoming their own personal challenges as well mm. so they were they're careful as to you know not to bring back any bad thoughts or feelings yeah. they've mm. experienced in their past as well okay and that's a good <clears throat> a good point so yeah from watching the program it's um, I mean it's compelling viewing seeing the challenges mm-hmm. but there's there's a common theme isn't there of um things in the past or mm-hmm. you know real a real reason to do it and you mm-hmm. touched a little bit on on your reasons yeah do you want to do you mind yep. elaborating a bit on that definitely so can... um i think the obviously that you know being um having challenges growing up when i was younger living in a small town um in the ronda valleys in porth in south wales um didn't feel I could really express myself very well there because of the traditional values and the sort of conservative views. Yeah. So I just, um, and as I was quite, I suppose, extrovert and expressive, you know, <laughs> I am. Um, <laughs> Those are two <laughs> words. You know me. Yeah, <laughs> like, um, I, I, you know, I, yeah, you know, I like to be loud and I like to be um, comfortable, but I, I don't, didn't feel like I was then. Um, so, <clears throat> and then, you know, then I've come, come out, to my parents, and then I just felt maybe there would be a better life um, in London, where it is a bit more cosmopolitan, it is a bit more seen um, in the media and on the streets. And um, definitely, then after, um, but when I was twenty, then I moved to London, and then I just felt that yeah, I could be a bit more who I want to be. Um, so those are the reasons why I left Wales, and some of the reasons why I went on the show as well. Mm. Um, I appreciate that the other recruits had absolute heartache you know from their personal stories and and um and i don't think mine really is as, is as bad as theirs but i'm um, huge admiration for them 
Mm. Well, it is if it's it's all personal, isn't it, mm. to the individual? So, yeah, I don't think it's it's not it's not a hierarchy of uh, of uh, trauma. You know, yeah, exactly. No, yeah. no, no, definitely. Uh, incredible though. Um, so, what else was I going to say? Uh, uh, yeah. So, have you done? Have you done anything like? I know you're a bit of a fitness freak, but have mm-hmm. you done anything? similar to to this would you do it again i'd no i haven't done anything similar to this and i don't think there is anything as um <laughs> you know comparable to this um cheeky 10k park run yeah that's just you know as like the same <laughs> yeah. if anything or harder um you know yeah i do and i do explore different ways of working out you know i go bouldering i swim i run um but yeah, I don't think there's anything that can compete or compare to something like this. Even the preparation for this was, you know, yes, I would go to the gym and yes, I would start running longer distances with heavier backpacks on my back to just get a taste of what that might be like, you know, working out outdoors, working out in different temperatures, um, just to try and prepare yourself. Mm. But then what was, and I felt like I was physically prepared um, however, the mental challenges were the, the strongest or the hardest um, things to, to face and there's no preparation for things like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, can't, I can't wait to see the next... Because it starts to get onto the yeah. mental bits now, doesn't it? Um, what what of the, all the physical ones so far? So all those things I mentioned at the start and the, the, the beasting looks pretty... Yeah. Horrific. So I suppose you don't know the end. You don't know what, yeah. the, what mm-hmm. the end is. So what? How is there? Was there one bit of yeah. chaos that kind of yeah. stood out in it? In it all, they call these sort of workouts beastings because it's the directing staff giving us recruits the beastings, mm-hmm. um, and that's where you see a lot of the recruits withdraw. So to get out to the course, you hand in your band, which you might be one twenty-five, and then you voluntary withdraw or VW. <clears throat> Um, so you saw quite a lot of guys in the early stages just hand in their band because either they weren't able to keep up or they were just um, had enough of the shouting or, you know, being dragged through the mud, etc. For me, I knew that that was a big part of the challenge of this show. Um, so I sort of prepared myself with that. The worst one for me, <clears throat> yes, we run up the Atlas Mountains and all that. You know, you have to think of the, the positive on in, in, a, in a situation like that. I was running up a huge mountain and I got to see these amazing views, you know? Yeah. And God. it was a short... That is a good outlook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and every... sure that. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be positive because there's no, there's nothing else positive about the shouting, the stress on your back, you know, the running up the, in the heat. Yeah. The worst one for me was, we. it was in the last episode where we had to do this hike, it's called Escape and Evasion, and you've got a huge kit to carry um, with a backpack on and it, the the walk was miles and miles and miles with um, awful terrain to walk on water was limited um, there was two teams Alpha and Bravo Alpha I was in team Alpha we did get to the destination however Bravo didn't couldn't find any water or anything so they drank from the lake um, it was genuinely so desperate times that we were so wow. thirsty that these guys um, very sensible individuals had to drink from the water the lake the dirty water because we were desperate so there's no um you know flowering of anything it's all very real so that was the worst for me even though it was a simple walk it wasn't it was not ready for our sunday walk darling (laughs) yes come on let's go come on rover um and how so we what what we're watching is obviously condensed Mm -hmm. into days is do you 
get much downtime mm-hmm. to it or you know how from all these exercises that we're watching mm-hmm. are they kind of back to back back to back yeah there's a little bit of um and in the first few days this is back to back so we didn't have much downtime and we were advised before going on the show if you find an opportunity to rest sleep eat do it because you will mm-hmm. regret it otherwise so we would constantly just grab a five minute nap we were so exhausted we would sleep very easily mm-hmm. um as the days go on it become more mentally because we've proven ourselves physically um Yes, there were a small uh, amount of elements of that. It was it was a lot of back-to-back physical stuff. But then when we do see time, it was in the camp, we would have the opportunity to, like, you know, talk about feet because the feet were just blistered terribly. And then we would be, like, from all the heavy backpacks, like, put saddle on our backs and stuff like that because we were just raw with um, uh, just, you know, grazes and stuff like that. It was pretty, um, yeah, it wasn't very pleasant. Yeah. yeah. Any snorers? Because you're quite close, aren't you, on the bits? <laughs> so I was thinking, if I, so I mean, obviously there's no way I could do it. But actually, from a mental torture perspective, <laughs> if you not... if you just flew me out there, and I just had to sleep next, sleep with in that mm-hmm. combi- confined area, mm-hmm. that would be like you could, you could get whatever you want out of me after a yeah. few a few nights sleep like mm-hmm. that. So is, yeah, is it quite? It is. Um, so you're living in quite snoring. living quarters, yes. It, and you know your beds are just like bunks next to each other. Um, and the foot of the bed is a box where you've got toilet paper, your own toilet paper that you, you know, um, toothpaste, brush, whatever. So snoring wasn't a pain in the ass because um, there was one guy who did snore quite a bit. Um, <laughs> luckily for me, he did voluntary withdrawal in the first few days. So then we had a bit more peace and quiet. Um, shut but, up! Yeah, shut up! <laughs> well, like, you know, I hate you! <laughs> Like throw something at him, yeah. <laughs> Steal his bands, <laughs> get him out. <laughs> um, so that was a bit um, a worry actually, because we were living in those close living quarters. Going to the toilet was essentially like a bench with um, four holes in it. You'd have to take, you know, go to the loo next to your fellow recruits. So you get to know these guys very quickly and closely. There was a bit of worry around how are they going to feel with me, you know, you know, being gay in that close knit environment. Um, so I did have a bit of um, worry around that, but you know, I couldn't be more wrong. Actually, those guys were so um, very liberal, very accepting. Um, it's almost as if when we took off our civilian clothes and had to put on a uniform, we really just left the ego with the civilian clothes. So we we're all sort of, you know, kind of like all the same, regardless of background, race. Um, and sexuality, which was amazing. Yeah, yeah that amazing. must have been a quite a would have played on you, I imagine, going into it. Did I it, was or? worried definitely going in. Um, first and foremost, I wasn't sure if there was any other gay guys in the show. Turns out there wasn't, and um, so I did feel those slight nerves going in because you know you can get some stigma when you walk into a bar sometimes. You know, especially right. if you're in traditional places like where I'm from, yeah. you get looks and you're like, oh, this is uncomfortable. Yeah, and you wouldn't want that on top of everything. Exactly, or the pressures of this you know the challenges i was facing anyway yeah well that's good to hear good to hear who was your did you make good friends that you they talk about brotherhoods and yeah was there anyone that kind of stood out as a mm-hmm. little a, a decent mate good they were or all of them you know what I, like i said um there was that um episode called brotherhood and there really was um something really strange happened but we were so didn't expect it but we were very we became very close friends um, during the show and still afterwards we're in a WhatsApp group that I get about 400 messages a day <laughs> so it is a bit um, a bit annoying sometimes but we do feel a really close bond 
um and they were just really strange really weird because we were the only ones who would sort of support each other and egg each other on because we weren't going from the directing staff yeah they didn't care that we were you know failing or anything but the other boys were egging us on and i wouldn't have got as far as i did if i wasn't for some of them um there's a guy called johnny who um you don't really get to see him very much until the next few episodes. Um, he was really funny. The winners' episodes. The winning episodes, saying, episodes yeah, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, he was a real laugh. And then everybody's got so much, so it's such a weird background that I bonded with people I wouldn't usually. Yeah, and, um, that tall boxer guy looked a bit scary. Yeah, Adam. He was a little bit misunderstood. Mm. Um, I know he looked kind of um, perhaps aggressive because of his height and his boxing background, but he's a bit of a gentle giant, actually. Yeah. yeah, and I hope he. Um, he didn't get the um the bad sort of trolling that I saw on Twitter. Oh no, really? Yeah, yeah. poor guy. Yeah, well, he certainly had a tough one, didn't he, with being bullied, and then yeah. he finally found a way of stopping it. So yeah, yeah. He, he wouldn't celebrate <laughs> that, <laughs> that answer. Um, quest- oh yeah, so I wanted to ask about some contestant number twenty five. I can't remember his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he um uh. He uh, the first few episodes he is um what have I written down there but yeah so he had his pa- had that panic attack didn't yeah. he from a the canyon what, um rope yeah he almost passed out yeah. seems like he almost passes out you know most times he says as if I've done it myself <laughs> um uh and yeah and everyone voted or well, most people voted for him as the weakest link he led yeah. the team that failed yeah. yet he's still in it yes. and the staff is it is that, is yeah. that See, I'm so un I can't even say the word staff without sounding like I don't deserve to say it. I don't deserve to. Um so they, yeah, they clearly see something in him. Mm-hmm. What um do you see did you see that as well on, on the ground? I think um and what, we, what is that? Definitely. I think the reasons why we voted for um Amur's number twenty five to to leave as the weakest link, we were sort of didn't see what the directing staff saw. We saw someone that was always lagging behind, um, perhaps wasn't um as confident as everybody else to take on challenges or lead effectively um so maybe that was the reason for the failure of the bravo team um so but obviously what the directing staff do want to see is as a go is a goer you know someone to you know just try so yeah. yes he was nervous doing the canyon crawl and then jumping that off the helicopter etc but oh, God, he the did canyon it crawl. yeah, yeah I forgot canyon. About that. that was horrific yeah. that was pretty horrific <laughs> um, but at least he's trying, mm. you know, and that's exactly what you want. I'm, I'm not unsure about the hand holding, you know, a bit more like, come on, you can do it, you can do it. But again, you know, that's the the whole purpose of the show is just to go and give it a go. And if you if you really are at your wit's end, then you've just withdrawn. Yeah. But he's going and he's going strong, so yeah. good on him. Amazing. So yeah, Sunday night, Channel Four, Episode Four. There's eleven of you left, I think, at the moment. Actually, I think there's like. I think there'd be about nine of us left now. Really? Yeah. Single, single digits, Glenn. Single digits, Beautiful. Yeah. So moving on, or seamlessly linking it to the world of the Barbican. Oh yes. So yeah, I suppose the, the experiences that you've gone through, mm-hmm. what um, what do you think you've learnt in the process that you can mm-hmm. kind of take to your day job? I think I come away from that show, at like one of the weakest. I've ever <laughs> no, I was very strong and um, you know proud that I had overcome those challenges. I felt like I was very physically drained and emotionally weak. I'm surprised. <laughs> so I, you know, I really then started thinking about what is important in life. Work, yes, is essential, and 
and you've got to be really happy in your current situation. Uh, so I'm not taking anything for granted anymore. Um, I do value working at the Barbican. I think it's a really excellent environment. Um, it's very, um, the ethos is in line with my values as well. And then um, the team are fantastic. You know, it is an iconic building. So we um we receive great inquiries that um fit with the brand and I think I fit in with the brand as well. Mm. So I think um you know the importance of of coming out of that show has led me to 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 think about what is important in life and I think working at the Barbican is a, a really great place for me to be at the moment. Good, good to hear. So the, the events world is pretty busy. Mm-hmm. You are um look after yourself. Mm-hmm. Obs. How do you how do you how do you get that balance of you know kind of long yep. event hours mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. finding the time to look after yourself? I think that's a good question. I think um, thank you, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you for that question. <laughs> I'm going to answer it excellently now. <laughs> <laughs> I think balance is a really um, important um, part of work and social. So there's a um, for me I've, I'm very fortunate that I do go in at say eight thirty nine o'clock and leave at five thirty six o'clock and I also do take that hour for lunch as well because mm. I think it's crucial otherwise I can't you know how can you be switched on when you've been sat at a desk for 12 hours yeah I um do spend about 45 minutes in the gym as well because I come from that gym feeling far more energized far more focused to go back you know to finish off the day you know mm. and I think as a salesperson you've got to be constantly motivated you've got to be constantly enthusiastic and I can't I can't understand if people who were sat at that desk being enthusiastic and motivated you know proactively calling sales leads mm. you know how do you you know i'd be interested to understand how you do it mm. i can't yeah. um so that's something that i've it's a tip and if anybody has the opportunity to take an hour for lunch do it um but also yes i do i am privileged to work in an environment like the barbican center where we do get invited to great drink receptions and um you know we're active in terms of going to different um, exhibitions where there's social environments and I do enjoy that mm. but also my partner as well is obviously like when do I get some airtime with you you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. so it's a constant balance of just trying to please him as well as the you know and have a strong um, balance in work as well so it's a fine line but don't overdo it in work yeah like your style um so you mentioned about how much you love working at the Barbican. Mm-hmm. It's a good fit. Um, what's it like behind the scenes? What's the kind of the the, mm-hmm. the DNA and the makeup of the of the team that mm-hmm. you work with, and why yeah. do you think it works so well? Mm-hmm. I think um, I've worked there for about six years now, and um, we have an, a um, head of sales, sorry, a head of business events called Jackie Boughton, which is famous in the industry. Yeah. Um, for all the good reasons she, um, <laughs> she has been in the industry for a really long time and um and i think that's really um it's a it's it sort of trickles down into our team um uh, under her then is uh, a guy called oliver hargreaves and then it's of me and then other um execs in that in that department and we you know we do get um a lot of leadership from jackie who gives us the opportunity to make our own decisions, which is valued, um, enjoy our time at the Barbican, you know, work hard and also play hard as well. So um, I think that's the reason Barbican is doing so well because of her leadership. And I, you know, I tell her, 
every single time. You know, thank <laughs> you for having me here. Thank you for having yeah. me. Here. <laughs> um, and she is a great girl. Definitely, yeah, she's one of the best for sure. So, on a venue specific, a, 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 I think this is a common challenge for mm-hmm. venues that aren't purpose-built venues, uh, event venues. Um, how do how do you as an events team get that balance right between mm-hmm. its core function in, mm-hmm. in the arts world, mm-hmm. um, but also making money yep. to put back into the arts? Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, internally, how does that mm-hmm. how does that work and mm-hmm other challenges and mm-hmm. with that there's certainly challenges with the barbecue center because primarily it is an arts center and then secondary income is the um the commercial sales arm which is where my department is so we have to be sensitive to um to the arts and make sure that it's alive with things like great exhibitions and music and dance etc but then we fill in around the, the gaps where there's availability and we're always trying to actively and invite or trying to proactively get more arts-related events as well, just so it fits within the brand. Mm-hmm. But um, I think what's great about having an event at the Barbican for someone like a corporate like Barclays or whatever, then you are funding back into the arts. Mm-hmm. Your event does keep the venue alive. Um, and also you're in a really cool artsy venue, so mm-hmm. you're not like your stereotypical conference centre. It has character in our building. It's alive with music and dance and exhibitions. So what, a, what an added value to your event. Yeah, yeah. very good. like that. Very good. Thank you very much. Well done, champ. You can have that one. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, okay. Oh, yeah. So event specific. I've got one question, then I want to play just a quick game with you, if I may. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. Never have I ever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How do you know? Um, most memorable event you've worked on. Actually, two questions. So most memorable event you've worked on. Mm-hmm. And also, I'd like to know of any howlers that you've, uh, like, you know, like those kind of, you've got them in your war chest of things that made you stronger or oh, yeah. Yeah, real cock ups of an event or whatever. Yeah. Just ones that stand out. There's loads Hit of me. those. Yeah, good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, okay, so the most memorable event, I think at the Barbican Centre, yeah, you've got all your meeting rooms and your purpose built stuff. However, when we do get briefs, we really do think outside the box. And I'm not just saying that, the events team love a creative brief. Um, so we had 80 people that wanted a, a dinner or hosting their top clients. They're like, well, yes, you can have it in a fantastic conservatory. However, they're like, oh, we've had that last year. What, can, what else can we do? Oh, okay, what can we do? So we actually hosted them on the theatre stage. Nice. So the theatre is an auditorium for a thousand people. The stage is ginormous. So we had eight, eight tables, ten on the theatre. We extended the this the theatre or the stage out into the audience um, and then we had a tap dancer on there we had a saxophonist, we had a pianist so the view for the the diners were looking onto the onto the rows of thousands yeah, of seats lovely. and that was really cool and I just thought that we already had these great spaces, we, we were utilising them in different ways and the client was just amazed by how amazing that was and it was a great event super yeah, amazing. Lovely. We don't cock up very often at the barbican because we are so good at our yeah, roles yeah. um i mean more more like more personal ones <laughs> to you personal <laughs> i want to humiliate you I know, I'm just thinking, <laughs> what have i done wrong what have i done badly um i i'm the first to hold my hand up honestly if i cocked up because there's no hiding <laughs> you know yeah. somebody's made an error here and it's, it's <laughs> me basically yeah. um so i'm just trying to think this <laughs> you know what i am going to struggle with this one because i'd like to just 
just so darn good. I, well, that as well, but I also just like remove it from my memory <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of any well, failed events. All right. Well, uh, if you think of one in a sec, I will. I'll then come back to me. But um, the final is quick fire, either or. Okay, go. I want to. We're gonna just the final piece of Glenn the Man. Okay. The understanding. Can we make these filthy. Uh, I did. That was my first draft, and then I thought, <laughs> I'm not sure that the highest base crew are going to appreciate this. Oh, so, what? Yeah. so, protein shake or glass of wine? Or a glass of wine. Mm. Sunshine or snow? Sunshine. On stage or working on a spreadsheet? On stage. Bob Marley or Bob Mortimer? Bob Marley. Mm. Breaking Bad or Friends? Friends. Yes. <laughs> city or country? Oh, city. Always. Plane or car? Plane or car? Um, plane. Plane, 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 plane. <laughs> Marmite or honey? Honey. Rugby or football? Rugby, Wales. Rugby. <laughs> Performing arts or science? Performing arts. Ollie Hargreaves or Jackie Boughton? Oh my gosh! <laughs> Oliver. Wow! Sorry. I've known him for such a long time. I've gone to his wedding and everything. Wow. He's my mate, yeah. Good. Yeah. That is it. Glenn what? I, I was enjoying this so much. Yeah. Talking about me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tune in next time where we yeah. talk about Glenn again. <laughs> Whoop. Um, that was amazing. I've enjoyed it thoroughly. Thank Good you. To, I know you so well, but I feel I've learned a lot more about you because it's normally just in passing at events. So to sit down yeah, and have a proper chat, it's been yeah. amazing. And you've got to see this environment where we're at. We're in a, um, <laughs> yeah. in a an awesome room. Yeah. We're um, sat close together. Just... Chairs. Chairs. Chairs around. Um, so that's it from us. Thank you for listening. Over and out from us. Thank you so much. Well, I'm afraid we've reached the end of the very first feature episode of the Event Lab podcast. Thanks so much to Glenn and Jackson for doing that interview. It was absolutely wonderful stuff. But we'll be back next time with an interview with Helen Moon, following up on the roundtable discussion you may have heard in our special episode on mental health and well-being in the events industry. We'll also have some top digital marketing tips for venue managers from Brighton SEO organiser Kelvin Newman, the founder of Rough Agenda. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter at eventlab underscore HQ and on Instagram at the same handle. You can register for our live events at hirespace.com forward slash eventlab. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time.